Hi there, welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at southsidesbc.org or you can go to our Facebook page. If you'd like to connect with us, you can send us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please go on to your podcast platform and leave us a positive review to help others find our content more easily. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Well, this morning we are continuing uh, in a series we started a few weeks ago. We're talking about learning, uh, learning how to be Christ-like in a world that is increasingly hostile to the Lord and to Christians, right? And it's, in a, it's a world in which, um, can I just, can I be real? Um, and, and, and instead of, the world is drawing us in instead of us penetrating into the world. And we need to, we need to flip that, Okay. It's not what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to, 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 to be salt and light in the darkness that is around us. And so um, this morning, I wanna, we've talked about in, in this how to be Christ-like in a world that doesn't like Christ. We've talked about loving our neighbor and our enemy, right? Even our enemy. And uh, this kind of flows out of that. Last week, we talked about how to speak the truth in love, that even though we want to love those, there are times that we need to, we need to speak the truth, um, but we need to do it in love. And so I wanted to, wanted to follow that up this morning with a message that I've entitled, um, How to Disagree Without Being Disagreeable. Um, in September of 2020, a Florida man by the name of Justin Garcia, was thrown in jail for uh, assaulting another man. But unlike most instances or most assaults, scenarios, the conflict was not over the typical things. The conflict was not over a woman. It was not over some kind of debt or even some kind of manly offense or something, you know. Um, Authorities and witnesses confirmed that the argument was over this. It was over whether almond milk was superior to whole milk. Yes, that's right. According to a Facebook post by the Lee County Sheriff's Office, uh, Justin Garcia was charged with aggravated assault in connection with the altercation over almond milk with, get this, his cousin, I guess they were at a family affair or something, I don't know, uh, who sustained, unfortunately, multiple injuries from a pocket knife in the incident. Here's what, they, here's what they wrote. They said, their verbal argument became physical when Mr. Garcia became enraged at the victim for disagreeing with him. He then proceeded to punch the victim with a closed fist to the left side of his forehead. When, his, when the victim, his cousin, tried to fight back, Garcia pulled out a knife. His cousin then became scared of what he might do with the knife and proceeded to run away from him as he chased the victim through the front yard. Yikes, amen? Yikes, what a temper. Um, A confidential source at the scene, however, was unable to confirm whether Garcia preferred the almond milk (laughs) or the whole milk. 
um, nor whether actually whether any actual milk was spilt in the fracas or even whether there was any crying over the spilt milk. Thank you. Y'all got that. Uh, True story, but man, we had to add some of those in there, right? You know, last week, uh, we talked about and we saw that, that we as Christians, as believers, are commanded to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes that lead to arguing and strife and fighting. Amen? And I believe that incident qualifies as one. Amen? Um, even though that wasn't exactly what Paul was talking about to Timothy. But here's the difficulty for us. The difficulty for us is we hear that. And we know that we're supposed to avoid foolish arguments. Number one, we get in them anyway, amen? But we also know that we won't always agree perfectly with other people, amen? That there will be disagreements. We will have disagreements from others. And sometimes it even happens before you know it. You're having a a casual conversation with someone, maybe even just trying to carry on small talk about almond milk. And um, when all of a sudden, out of the blue, some divisive hot button topic comes up, what do you do? When the other person states an opinion that is maybe the exact opposite of how you feel about the subject, and they do it vehemently, emphatically, how do you navigate that tension? And how do, we, how, how do we have a conversation that allows us to disagree with somebody else, but still leave as friends and not mad at each other? Because that's kind of the thing, right? You may, may be a casual acquaintance or whatever, may even be a friend, and you have a disagreement, and it ends up in a really awkward spot, and, and you're arguing whatever, and then, man, how do you face them the next time? Um, listen, it's okay to disagree, Right? Even in your marriage, it's okay to disagree. Now, brother, I'm not sure that was the right time for an amen. (laughs) Hey, you're just faster than her right now. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was too good. Um, It's okay to disagree. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen? Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Um, And you don't have to agree with mine, and I don't have to agree with yours. However, how can we disagree in a way that is still honoring to the Lord? How can we disagree without disparaging the other person? How can we disagree without attacking them personally? How can we disagree without being disagreeable? Um, We talked about this some last week, um, including how to speak the truth in love. But I wanted this morning to give you uh, some more biblical principles on how to navigate this and to make sure we're putting this into practice. So take your outline, if you will. Um, there are times in, in this, this morning that, as you see, the outline is a little bit long, so we're going to have to hustle, okay? John, we only need to be out by two, right? There we go. All right. I promise, I promise you'll be out by two. Is that fair? Don't turn off your, your TV or your, your computer now, all right? It's not going to be that long, I promise you. All right, number one, first of all, the first way that we can disagree without being disagreeable is this, and it's something we've kind of already talked about, but we just want to hit on this again. Be humble and gracious. Be humble 
and gracious. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, if you will, please. Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes this. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I urge you, that's what that word means, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Friends, we were saved by the grace of God, amen? Saved by the wondrous love of Christ that he poured out on the cross and dying for us for our sins, taking our place. He is our substitute. And so if we are saved by grace, by God's great love, we are called to a higher calling. We are called to be like the one who, who has saved us. And so we need to live in a way that honors Christ. More than anything else, friends, if you will live your life seeking to, live, to honor Christ at all times, that will keep you from a lot of stuff that you don't need to be doing. Amen? He goes on in verse 2. To give us some more specifics, he says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with humility, we'll talk a little bit more about that, the opposite of that here in a minute, and gentleness with long-suffering or patience. Listen, our attitude towards others ought to always be one of humility, one of a gentle, kind, patient spirit. Um, not jumping, not jumping to conclusions about others and not letting our anger get the best of us. Look what he says next. He says, bearing with one another in love. Not jumping to conclusions, not, ah, uh, you know. Sometimes we are so on edge that somebody says something and it sets us off. We need to let the Spirit of God control us. Give your anger over to the Lord. Amen? Just give it over to him. You know, I, I know this may surprise some of you, but um, when I was a let me say late teenager, early 20s, I had an anger problem. And I got it honestly. My dad had an anger problem. Um, and so you can imagine when he and I got together sometimes, fireworks. And uh, we, just had to, we just had to agree to disagree sometimes. And, uh, but, you know, there came a time when I realized, you know what, I just don't need to be like this. God convicted me of it. I just gave it over to him, and I said, Lord. Now, does that, does that anger want to crop, crop up sometimes and, 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 and try to, yeah, it does. But then I have to say, nope, you know what? I'm going to let the Spirit of God control me, not the flesh. And so I believe that's what Paul's talking about here. He's, he's encouraging to walk worthy of the calling with humility and gentleness and graciousness, endeavoring, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Friends, we need to seek to live at peace with others at all times, even our enemies, even those on the other side. I think, see, a lot of times, and some of you, I know, you wouldn't say this out loud, probably, some of you might, um, but you're thinking, you know, Pastor, you know, a lot of times, I believe Paul's just talking here to us about other believers. I believe when we do that, when we say that about stuff like this, we're doing the same thing that um, the Pharisees did. You know, I think we're doing the same thing. You know, well, who is my neighbor? My neighbor is just the person I like. My neighbor is just a fellow Christians and so forth. No, Jesus clearly said our neighbor is everybody. And I believe our brother and our sister. While yes, sometimes in scripture, it, talking specifically about that, I believe when he talks about how our character is supposed to be in Christ, I believe that transcends just with other Christians to everybody 
that we run, come in contact with. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. As Paul says in, um, in the book of Romans, he says, listen, as far as depends upon you, live what? Peaceably with all men. Um, let a spirit of gentleness. That's, that's, uh, and look at verse 32. So Paul goes through and talks about in that chapter that we are to put off the old man. We are to put on the new and then he ends up here in verse 32 of chapter 4. He says, and be kind to one another. Just as, as he got, just got, he's just gotten through talking about um, let all the bad stuff, bitterness, wrath, mal- um, anger, wrath, malice, all that kind of stuff be put away from you. And he says, and be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Listen, you can't be tenderhearted towards somebody else and be angry at them at the same time. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know what our tendency is? Our tendency when we disagree with someone else is, number one, to raise our voice, to sometimes shout at them, to try to speak over them, um, sometimes to call, call names, sometimes it's to ridicule them or insult them or to be assertive and even be condescending in the way in which we talk to others. Friends, here's what I want to help you see, I hope. Doing that kind of stuff only brings hostility into the situation. It only makes the other person defensive. I mean, how do you act when somebody comes, on, comes at you? When somebody raises their voice or when your boss gets, comes at you and he's, he, he, he's, he's ticked off? Listen, those kind of things cause disagreements to escalate, friends, and to quickly get out of hand. If we will simply remain humble and gracious and listen, listen to the other person. We'll talk more about that here in just a minute. If we'll listen to the other person, if we'll be kind and remain civil, then guess what that does? It diffuses the situation. Instead of escalating the situation, it diffuses it, diffuses a situation that might otherwise get out of hand. Because here's the deal. And I want you to remember this. You can be right about an issue, but you can be wrong about how you handle it or how you address somebody. If you, if you, um, if you plead your case or you act belligerently or, um, or, or disrespectfully towards the other person, you can be right about the issue, but you can be wrong about how you're acting. And we need to remember that. And many times, here's the deal, when you're wrong about how you're acting, you have negated any right thing that you may have said. I want you to remember this, James 4, 8. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? And so, very simple question. Do you want God on your side or against you? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Number two, first of all, we need to be humble and gracious. Second, the second thing I believe we can do to disagree without being disagreeable is this. Don't be, man, we could fill this in with a lot of different words, but don't be arrogant in your own beliefs. Don't be prideful. Don't be stubborn, right? Why? Why should we not be arrogant? Why, why? Pastor, we should know what we believe and we should stand on it. Look at Proverbs 13.10. Look what it says. It says, arrogance leads to nothing but strife. Um, New King James says, by pride comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is gained how? By those who take advice. 
Listen, nobody likes somebody who's arrogant or cocky, amen? That's all that type of attitude does is it leads to strife. It leads to quarrels. It leads to fighting. And listen, you can be firm in your beliefs without being prideful or arrogant. You can stand strong on God's word, but still listen to what others have to say. Listen, can I, can I give you a little secret? God's word is true whether you or the other person believes it or not. Okay? And you need not be afraid or fearful. You don't even have to defend God. His word stands. It stood for all of time, and it will stand till the end of time, a lot longer before and after you and me. And so if we allow um, a, a calm, rational discussion about truth, and people are really seeking the truth, then God's truth is going to rise to the top. Always. So you don't have to, listen, it doesn't mean we don't um, debate something. It doesn't mean we can't um, lovingly share the truth, as we talked about last week with others, friends. But we can stand strong on God's word and still listen to what others have to say. After all, we might actually learn something. Look at what the second part of this verse says. It says, wisdom is gained how? By those who take advice. Those who listen to others. Or at the very least, you will understand better where the other person is coming from, right? And maybe in the process, how better to approach them. Here's the problem. The problem is um, many times we are more concerned about being right than we are about being kind. Many times we are more concerned about being right than about coming to the, to the full truth. Maybe we ought to consider that maybe, just maybe, there are times at which we could be wrong. Did you ever consider that? There are times at which we could be wrong. There, there, there are times, maybe we need to consider that what the other person has to say can give us a different perspective. Maybe we ought to consider that, that maybe, just maybe, we're not seeing the whole picture. Maybe, just maybe, listening to somebody else might help us see things that we've never seen before. Here's what our goal ought to be. Our goal ought to be to come to God's truth, right? The truth, not just our truth. That may be the same, but it may not. Um, one of the ways that we can have our eyes open to those things is by listening to other people in a calm Humble, gracious manner. After all, um, for those, some of you will amen this without a, um, you know where good ideas often come from in an organization? Now listen, I'm sure at your work, your, your, those who are running the company or running the school or whatever, the principal or, or the CEO of your company, I'm sure they have some great ideas and so forth. But you know where some of the best ideas come from? Many times they come from people on the floor, don't they? the people who are hands-on and seeing things. And so uh, I believe what that shows us is that we can learn things from other people. No matter what position we're in, we can learn things, and we need to listen in order to do that. Friends, which brings us back to the point, don't be arrogant in your own beliefs. Listen, I'm not saying not to stand on this. We stand on this, amen? Unashamedly, we stand on this. But... Listening to what somebody else has to say 
doesn't mean we don't believe this. It just simply means that we are trying to understand where somebody else is coming from. It may teach us something about this. It may not. It may just teach us how better to approach that other person. I can't tell you how many times I go into a situation and it's a situation I know there's going to be some conflict. And um, by just listening to the other person, many times it helps me to see their perspective and to see how to, um, how to deliver the truth of a matter better to them by just listening. Man, we're going to come back to that. I'm getting ahead a little bit. Um, I want you to share this verse with you before we move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Be careful of arrogance. Be careful of pride. Number three. Number three, the third way in which I want to share with you this morning to disagree without being disagreeable. Don't get mad at me. Be careful what you say. And in today's world, I had to write, I had to add what you write, what you text, what you post, what you Instagram. You add whatever to it. Be careful what you say. Right? Where a lot of people get into trouble is, is by letting their mouth get them in trouble. Amen? And used to, it used to be, it used to be that it was just our mouth. It's not that anymore. More so than just our spoken word, oftentimes is the written word. That we get in trouble by that. Um, Many people will text and post things that they would never, ever, ever in a million years say to somebody face to face. If you wouldn't say it to somebody's face, don't text it or post it. Because you are tearing down the name of Christ. And just don't do it. Please, I beg you, in the name of Jesus, be careful what you say, what you write, what you text, what you post. Now, there are several instructions I believe that Scripture gives us under this broader heading. So there's a couple things I want to talk to you about. First of all, I'm going to say number one, but it's A on your outline. 3A is this. First of all, don't judge others. Or speak bad about them. Okay, that's A. Go ahead and flip to A if you will. There we go. Don't judge others or speak bad about them. Look at James chapter 4, verse 11. James says this, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. So if we speak bad about somebody... We slander them. What are we doing? We're breaking what the commandment that God has told us not to slander others. And therefore, we are, we're disregarding God's law and we're judging the law, putting ourselves above. Now, I know what's best. So I'm going to do what I want to do. But if you judge the law, if you do that, then you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. And we know that there's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Amen. So who are we to talk bad about somebody, to judge somebody? And most of the time, what we're doing there, we're judging their motives, right? We take something they say, and out of that, we make a judgment based on a judgment about their character based on an opinion they have or something they say about an issue. Friends, let me just say, it's God's job to judge, not ours. Amen? The Scripture's clear about that. 
And so even as Christians, and I know as Christians, we say, well, somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to speak the truth. Yeah, you're right. Somebody does. And we need to speak the truth. But go back to last week. We need to speak it in love without judging others and without jumping to conclusions. We are called, as we talked about two weeks ago, to love our neighbor who is also our enemy. We're to love others. That's what we're called to do as Christ followers. And talking bad about them, judging them, assuming their motives does not show Christ's love to others. In fact, I believe we should try to do everything we can to speak good about others in some way, if possible. Even those who are on the other side, even those who are our enemy. Be nice and kind. How many of you heard the old adage, you catch more flies with honey rather than vinegar, right? I had to run that by my wife. I always mess up sayings and stuff. So, But you, we catch more flies with honey rather than vinegar. Listen, um, imagine. I want you to imagine. Uh, listen, I don't want to make this sermon a, a political sermon or something about Republicans versus Democrats, but let's be honest, that is the biggest rub in our country right now, right? It's one of the biggest rubs is politically. And so imagine what might be different if Democrats and Republicans both actually assumed that the other cared about our country instead of assuming that the other is trying to destroy it. Imagine how our country might be different if we just made that simple assumption. And and, uh, and, and assumed that the other party loved our country just as much as you do, but has a different way that they think the country should be run or a different ideas about how the country should, should be in order to make it great. They, they love, but they just want something. What if we made that assumption? Might our country be different if we made those assumptions? Might it be less antagonistic? Might it actually... Might we actually have a better chance of getting things done? Second, not only should we not judge others or speak bad about them, the B, 3B I want to share with you is find, I want to encourage you to find common ground. When you are disagreeing with somebody, what do we normally do? We jump to the differences. We jump to the disagreements. Well, this person believes this, and I believe this. They think this, and I think that. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. Paul writes this in verse 22. He says, To the weak... I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. He's wrapping up here a little section in which he says in verse 19, and this is not on your screen, but he says, for though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. He says, to the Jew I became as a Jew, to those who were under the law I became as those under the law, to those without the law I became as one without the law. What is Paul saying there? I believe simply Paul was saying that he was trying to find, he tried to find common ground with whoever it was he was witnessing to. He tried to find some kind of common ground in which he could meet them, in which he could uh, uh, relate to them in order to share the gospel with them. So that, 
so that they could come to know Christ. Friends, I, would, I think it would help us all if we would simply seek to see how we are alike somebody else, how we're similar to somebody else rather than how we are different. Even among our starch enemies, you think of uh, your starchest enemy, you know, think of those who have, um, those terrorists who have tortured our country, right? Even among those, um, we have the commonalities of the human race, amen? We are similar. We, we, we have mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. We grow up, we get married, we have children, there are commonalities even among our starchest enemies, uh, even among fellow Americans. Well, there are a lot of things we disagree about and a lot of things we may disagree about with others uh, and that we ought to um, share our opinions about, about how the country should be run and what we think would work better and what this, that, and the other, friends. But when it comes down to it, we share the same homeland. We share the same freedoms among so many other things. How about among believers? How do you think it makes Jesus feel when he looks down and he sees believers arguing and fighting? Um, I haven't done a word study on this, but I, um, over and over again, Jesus is encouraging us, praying for us in the gospel of John that we would be one. Listen, as believers, we have the commonality of we love Jesus. That ought to be enough, amen? That ought to be enough that we don't have to argue. We don't have to um, uh, disagree, be disagreeable about things. Yeah, we can disagree about, about um, the way something should be done, but we ought to still be able to love one another, right? You know? I, I, I know as I look out here, I know there are things that maybe you and I disagree, but you know what? We should be able to wrap our arms around each other and love each other. Amen. Debate that is debate things maybe as 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 fo loving followers of Christ, but disagree without being disagreeable. Can we can we start by finding common ground? Amen. Um, third, the third sub point here I want to share with you. First of all, we need to uh, not to judge others, speak bad about them. We need to find common ground. Third, we need to listen more, talk less. Listen more, talk less. James chapter 1 says this. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Quick to hear, slow to what? Speak. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, because that's where that goes if you're not. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When I was in um, high school, some of you heard me talk about this before, but um, we had a substitute teacher. Um, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you guys, Laura and I'll be talking about something sometime, and I'm, I try to think back to what my teacher's names were. I don't know if you remember all of your teacher's names. You know, we all have favorite teachers and so forth. It's amazing how I remember this substitute teacher. Uh, his name was Reverend McFadden, and um, he was an African-American preacher. Loved that man. Um, he, he, he would say things that were just catchy. But one of the things he would always say, every time I had him as a substitute, he said, listen, God gave you two ears and one mouth. You've heard it before, right? So that you can listen twice as much as you speak. Um, I think that is so wise. We just want to spout it out. We want to get our opinion out there, especially today. 
Uh, but, but friends, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Look at what Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says. It says, a wise man will listen and increase learning. If we're wise, we will listen more than we speak. Listen, only when you listen can you find out what someone else truly thinks. Only when you listen are you able to hear their viewpoint. Only when you listen to them can you hear their side of the story. Only when you listen can you get clarification about what they really think or believe. Oftentimes, we're not listening at all. Amen? What are we doing? Oftentimes, when we're in a disagreement, we're thinking about how we're going to come back at them. We're thinking about how we're, what we're going to say and, and how we're going to phrase that or how we're going to do what. We're just thinking about what we're going to say next, or we're just trying to monopolize the conversation. Can I give you an encouragement? Try listening. Next time you're in a disagreement, can I say it in French? Ferme la bouche. Find out who knows French there a little bit. Okay. That just, that's not ugly. That just means shut your mouth, open your ears, and listen. Amen? Listen. Uh, you may find out, you may, you may find out that the disagreement was, was just a big misunderstanding. Or you may find some common ground upon which you can build a bridge. Start by listening more and talking less. Number four, the next way that we can, be care- that we, um, we can disagree without being disagreeable is this. It is to think before you speak. Think before you speak. And let me add, think before you text, think before you post, think before you write, add your whatever, Okay. Let's go back to James 1.19. James 1.19, again, says, My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Why should, we, why should we be slow to speak? So that we can think first. So that what, before something comes out, it needs to go through our brain. And we need to process that. Should I say this? Should I keep my mouth shut? Is it, does it need to be said? And how am I saying this? Proverbs 29, 11 says this, a fool vents all his feelings or all his anger, but a wise man holds them back. Listen, everything that comes into your brain and everything you feel, you don't have to say. You don't. It is wise to consider what you're about to say before you say it. Listen, our homes would be so much happier if we did that. Amen. Look at Proverbs 17, 14. Proverbs 17, 14 says this. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. It's like busting a dam. It's like letting a dam break open. The water is let loose, right? So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Once you start something, friends, it is a lot harder to stop it. Amen? So it's better just not to start it at all. Um, I, um, I'm sure every single one of you has seen this illustration before, but I'm going to do it anyway. As we have toothpaste here, 
Who wants to come try? You can't do it, right? You know this. When you were a kid, I'm sure you had, there was a children's sermon, a children's lesson. Maybe one of your Sunday school teachers did the same thing, took toothpaste, squeezed it out. Um, I don't want this to go to waste. Anybody who wants this afterwards is welcome to it. But listen, we can, you can't put it back in the tube. And the same thing, friends, about what you say, about what you text. You say, oh, well, Apple now has something where you can, ta- you can erase a text. Not if they read it first. <laughs> um, what you post, be careful. Don't do that. Think before you speak. If you see something on social media that you disagree with, can I just encourage you to do something? Don't immediately write back a response. Stop. Would you, would you just give it some time? Would you just determine that you're not going to immediately respond to something? Give it some time. Think about it. Is it helpful? Is it Christ-like? Is it needed? Will this enhance my testimony for Christ or work to destroy it? Let your emotions calm down. And then one other thing is maybe even ask your better half if you should. And then if after all of that you decide, yes, I need to text this. I need to post this. I need to say this. Do it privately, not publicly. Okay, now I'm not extremely social media savvy and so forth. But send a private message. If somebody needs to be corrected, if something needs to be done, don't do it publicly. Whether Not even in front of other people speaking and so forth. Um, we all take correction better privately than if somebody does it and try, in, in the process embarrasses us publicly. Amen? And so do it that way. It leads us to number four. Back to our main outline, number four. Can I just say choose your battles? Choose your battles. Uh, there's an interesting text I want us to look at here, and it's in Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26 says this in verse 4 and 5. Solomon writes, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Verse 5 turns around and says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. You say, wait a minute, pastor, what's going on here? These two verses are contradictory. One says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. The other one says, answer a fool according to his folly. You're right. They do sound contradictory, but I don't believe they are. I believe they're actually complementary statements. There's a play on words going on here with two shades of meaning. Um, First of all, let's look at verse 4. In verse 4, we are told not to answer a fool according to his folly. Why? Lest we be like him. In other words, to engage someone in a silly argument, to engage someone in a, uh, that has a pointless question uh, about something that really doesn't matter would be descending to their level and end up in a pointless quarrel. Amen? A la what we talked about last week in uh, foolish and ignorance disputes. Such a person who's, who's bringing up just 
just silly, pointless questions or, or, or arguments and so forth isn't really teachable or looking for answers. They're just looking to argue or debate a point or to turn it around on you and use it against you. Let me give you a good example of this. Jesus was the master at answering th- things like this. The Pharisees often, um, a good example of this is Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees in Luke chapter 20. We're not going to go there and, and read this morning, but, but in Luke chapter 20, the Pharisees were doing what they often did to Jesus is they were questioning him and trying to trick him. But they questioned him, asking him, by whose authority do you do these things? And all they were trying to do was to trap him. And so did Jesus answer their question? He didn't. He didn't answer their question because they were just simply trying to get Jesus to say something that they could later twist and use against him. So rather than answering their question, what Jesus does is he asks them an equally confusing, confining, and confounding question. He says, the baptism of John, is it from heaven or is it from men? A question which no matter what they said was going to get them in trouble. I believe Jesus did this to show them what they were trying to do to him. And so when they refuse to answer his question, he says, neither will I answer your question. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. However, verse 5, on the other hand, says, as we've already read, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So there are times at which we shouldn't answer a fool. Listen, if they're just asking um, silly, pointless um, questions. However, under another set of circumstances, uh, we are told here that we should answer them. What's the difference? Here in verse 5, I believe that it's talking about when what a person says is potentially dangerous to himself or somebody else. For example, when it's prideful or even just wrong, maybe against God's word. A good example of this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, You will remember probably the situation It's when um, certain false teachers were coming against the Apostle Paul. They were claiming to be true apostles, and they were saying that the the Corinthians should listen to them and not to Paul, that Paul didn't really know what he was talking about and that, that he wasn't the apostle that he claimed to be. And so Paul ended up doing something that he normally doesn't do. Paul answered them. Normally, Paul wouldn't defend himself. However, in this situation, it was crucial to their their growth and their church. And so Paul um, began, he defends his own qualifications as an apostle. You remember all the things that he went through. He says, he talks about the things that he went through and he talks about his background and so forth. Because to remain silent would have given implicit approval of the false teachers. So in that situation, Paul spoke up and he answered them. For us, friends, we live in a speak your mind culture, don't we? We often think that we need to speak up. We often think that we need to give our opinion. Here's the deal. Choose your battles carefully. Choose your battles carefully. Ask yourself the question, are you becoming, when you respond, are you becoming like the fool if you respond or engage them? 
or is what has been said or written something that really, really needs to be addressed? Choose wisely your battles. Amen? And a couple things to remember. Rarely, rarely, friend, will you change someone's mind or opinion by engaging them intellectually. Most of the time, all that does is start a quarrel. And another thing to consider, if you are always voicing a contrary opinion about something, guess what you become like? You become like the boy crying wolf that just irritates others. And when you really, really have something that you need to speak up, guess how many people are going to listen? That's exactly right. If you're going to speak up about something with a dissenting opinion, friends, make sure it's for something that really matters. Amen? Leads us to number five. The fifth way in which I believe we can disagree without being disagreeable is to respect one another. I think that's one of the things that's lacking in our country today on both sides. There's a lack of respect for one another. You say, well, pastor, listen, we have to stand up and they just don't know what they're talking about and what they believe if it goes through and if they do follow through with what they do, our country's going to be to pot and all the other. I get it. I get it. Say all that in your closet to the Lord. But here's how God tells us to act. First Peter chapter two, verse 17 says this. Honor, go ahead and flip to that if you don't mind. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That first phrase, honor all people. Um, Honor, the word means to value something as having worth. Do you value others as having worth? I would tend to say that most of the time, we're on one side and they're on another, we don't. We'd rather they not speak up. We'd rather they not have an opinion. You know how the NIV translates that? It says, show proper respect to everyone. Friends, I believe we are called as Christians to treat everybody with respect. Whether we agree with them or not. Here's the deal. God created them. Amen? They are a a person created by God. And they are a person that Christ died for. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not die, perish, but have everlasting life. God loved the world so much that he sent Christ to die for them. Friends, God has treated us all with respect, amen? Even when we were his enemies, even in our sin, we ought to do the same for them as well. And here's a little thing. If you show others respect, guess what? More than likely, they will show respect for you as well. I want you to listen to what pastor, uh, a pastor and author by the name of David Servant writes. Um, he writes, he often, he does blogs and um, different things like that. And so he wrote this about letters that he gets and stuff. He says, I sometimes receive caustic letters from strangers. And sometimes he says they're long letters. He says, I feel so sorry for them that they wasted so much of their time. When they start off with insults and demeaning, condescending statements. 
He says, and, and I can't imagine that they could possibly think that they're going to persuade me when they start off insulting me. He says, what a, they often write, what a jerk you are. You're a false teacher. You know what he said? I just stop reading. He says, when friends correct me, if they start with insults, there's not even a real good chance that they're going to succeed in persuading me to their side, even with friends. But when people I don't know send me insults and condescending statements and so forth, do they really think they have any chance of persuading me? I think the answer we all know, right? Not at all. Friends, if we're going to change someone, we change them by love and humility and gentleness and grace and by showing them simple respect. Now, let me say something that we're not going to dive into a lot. But sometimes that respect means that you disagree. You just you agree to disagree, right? And that you have to go your separate ways for a time. We see that in Scripture, amen? Paul and Barnabas separated for a time when they had a sharp disagreement over John Mark. But I think here's what we see in Scripture. They still respected one another. And they considered each other brothers in arms in the Lord's work. And even after that, Paul spoke well of Barnabas. And I believe they even came back together some to do the Lord's work. Friends, above all things, we need to learn to live and be like Jesus. Amen? That's what's going to change the world. Not by shouting at the top of our lungs, you need to believe this. That doesn't change anything. I want to close this morning with a story I ran across that I believe, true story, I believe is a great example of how to disagree without being disagreeable. I want you to listen to this. A recent article in Men's Health spotlighted the unlikely friendship of two men. One by the name of Colin Allred and the other by the name of Van Taylor. Allred and Taylor have a lot in common. Just a couple of years ago, they both became freshman lawmakers in the U.S. House of Representatives, both at the same time. They're both from Texas, and both are used to being part of a team. Allred spent four years with the Tennessee Titans. Taylor was in the Marines for nine years. But even though these guys are friends, there's one major difference between these two lawmakers. Allred is a Democrat, and Taylor is a Republican. At a time when our government is intensely polarized, you'd have every reason to believe that these two men aren't friends and don't get along. But they are, and they do. Men's Health asked them how they managed to remain friends in such a divisive culture, in what, especially with their jobs and what they do. Here's some of their advice and some of the things they said. Allred said this. He said, you could spend all your time focused on where you disagree with someone. You could have a good argument every day if you wanted to, but you wouldn't get much done. And anytime you don't have a relationship with somebody, it's going to be easier to demonize them. Taylor said this. He said, you want to focus on what you can work on together. You have to accept the arguments on the other side as valid when they are. At least understand what they are so that you are able to converse. Because if you don't know anything about what the other side is talking about, you're not going to be able to understand their perspective. He said, no two people agree with each other all the time. And husbands and wives said, there you go. 
If you don't believe me, ask your significant other. And Allred said this. He said, there are important differences. He said, that's what our elections are about. That's democracy. That's healthy. What isn't healthy is when you assume that the other person who disagrees with you is also a bad person. Because if you can't disagree without thinking someone else is bad or evil, then you start pulling apart the fabric of our country. And you strip away, most importantly, any real opportunity for lasting change of any kind. Friends, when we can't have conversations, how are we supposed to grow? Amen? For us as Christians, friends, I believe being able to disagree without being disagreeable allows us the opportunity to demonstrate what true Christ-likeness is like. I believe it gives us the opportunity to demonstrate to a world that doesn't like Christ who Jesus really is. Amen? What's the goal? What's the goal as we live in the world today as Christians? Friends, the goal, when you get into a disagreement, the goal is not to win an argument. Or at least it shouldn't be. Amen? The goal should be to show them Christ and help them see the glory of the one who died for our sins, who died to reconcile us to himself. Amen? Friends, let us work on the type of relationships that allow us to build bridges with others rather than burn them. How about you? How do you need to respond? I know this is a, maybe a different kind of message. How do you need to respond to this? Do you need to, are there some things that God has convicted you of? Man, I really, in that situation, uh, you need to just ask God for forgiveness. Would you, maybe there are some situations, some, some relationships in which you're thinking about that you need to say, you know what, I need to ask that person for forgiveness. Maybe you need to surrender and say, Lord, Give me your heart. Change my heart. Maybe you need to surrender to Christ as your Savior and your Lord today. Whatever it is, friends, I want to encourage you. Choose Christ. Amen? Choose Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, as we come this morning, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for the ways in which we get in the flesh and we end up arguing with others, Lord, instead of considering them better than ourselves, instead of treating them with respect and humility and grace. Lord, help us to learn from you how we need to treat others. Forgive us where we failed. Holy Spirit, speak loud and clear to us in the moment each and every day, Lord, knocking off the rough edges of our personalities so that we may reflect you to others. Friend, if you're here, maybe you come to realize, you know what, my, that, that's totally foreign to my way of thinking. Friends, here's what you need is you need Christ to come in and be Lord of your heart. You need to allow him 
Ask, forgive him, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Trust him as your Savior. Follow him as your Lord. Would you invite him into your life today? Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to put you first in all we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.